Welcome to a new world of entertainment. The ultimate entertainment platform. Featuring, from Winkler Pictures and Mike Up Gaming, Mike Winkler. Jason Kabasi. The Forsaken Avenger, Martin Houston. And for Condiment Games, Jeremy Larson. Created by friends. Listen to our podcast and watch live discussions on Facebook and YouTube. Gaming streaming featuring Forsaken Adventure and Mike Up Gaming. And visit our site for written movie and television reviews. Subscribe to our podcast and visit our site for more info. Welcome to LCA Entertainment. On this episode of our podcast... And now, the end is near, so I face the final curtain. We discuss John Wick Chapter 2, Chapter 3, and Chapter 4. I'll say it clear, I'll state my case, which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I travel. Say goodbye. Say hello. You think your wife can hear you? No. Oh, why bother? Maybe I'm wrong. I did it. We will be discussing all three movies in depth, so. There will be spoilers. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do, saw it through. Without exemption, I plan each charted course, each careful step on the byway. We're not going in like the old days, just a conversation. Nothing's ever just a conversation with you, John. Himself. 
and I left a good life behind a long time ago, my friend. And now, here are your hosts for this episode, Mike Winkler and Jason Kabasik. Welcome back to LCA Entertainment. It's been a long hiatus, but we are back to discuss the final three chapters of the John Wick series. Maybe the final three. That's going to be a discussion we're going to have here. So. Oh, I don't want to. Th- we'll get into that one. That'll be a debate all in itself, but it's great to be back. Um, just Jason and I here today. Uh, yeah, we've been putting this off for way too long. No, the last podcast that we brought you all was actually the last part of the Alien retrospective. Uh, that was all the way back at the end of November. So we have not even done one in the new year. This is the 2023 first podcast. Yeah, uh, what, a, what a way to start off. Yeah, so uh, Jason and I just No, came it's been... Back. How long since we discussed the first movie? Oh, that was your first uh, podcast back after you were gone for a while. So that, two years? Two, two and a half years? It had to have been, something like that. Yeah, and um, so so we got we saw John Wick Chapter 4, what was it, uh, on Monday, which will be about yep. three days ago. So it's pretty fresh in our minds, So, but we'll get to that one as we progress along. Oh, we've got a lot to go over today. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in case you guys were not aware, yes, spoiler warning. There yes. you go. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you didn't spoilers. get the message during the build-up to us beginning here, or from that alone, us saying spoiler warning, oh, that's completely on you. Well, I mean, I think if you're listening to this, that means you've already seen chapters two and three, I would hope. Four, maybe not so much. So maybe watch... Our two and three discussion here, and then when we get to four, if you haven't seen it, escape out. There you go. You've been warned. You've been warned. We'll let you know when we get to chapter four that it's time for you to leave if you haven't seen it yet. All right. So should we dive right into it here? Yeah, dive right into chapter two, um, which I will say this right now. Chapter two is my personal favorite. So this will be a welcome discussion for chapter two. I'm going to say that four was my favorite out of the series. Fair enough. Fair enough. And the thing of it is, too, what's great about this series is that all four movies are excellent. So you really can't go wrong with any one of them. No, no, you can't. There's not really a weak link among them. I can't pick one that's really the weakest. I, Yeah, you really can't. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. No, no, they're all pretty strong. They all have good stories. Each one has its own good villain. Um. Yeah, this is I not going to be a podcast where we talk it, bad about it. Think about what went down in the first one to where we are now. I'm pretty sure they and you know everyone else that watched had no idea that this was going to become as big as it did. No, when the first one came out, no. I think yeah, it was a one and done. That was going to be the one and done, and that was it. And it turned into this massive franchise. Yeah, when you watch the first one, there didn't have to be a sequel. It was its own story. There was really no con- need for a continuation, but it was just so good, so successful, they had room to do more. Yeah, they did. And this movie, Chapter 2, really expands the universe because we actually get to know about the high table, which is something that was very, very little discussed in the first film. Oh, yeah. And then as you progress further on in the series of films, like you get more and more discussion of the high table. And I think we even after four movies, we still have a lot of room to even know even more about them. Which can be discussed in the 
continental TV show and mm-hmm. in ballerina and whatever yeah. other projects they do other than, you know, main John Wick franchise movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I, you know, I, I, they should not make any more after four. We'll get to that debate in chapter four. We, 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 if you, if you guys haven't noticed yet, we both have conflicting areas of, of what we think should happen with the franchise going forward. We will dive straight into that shortly because there will be spoilers as to how four ends. Again, <laughs> shortly. Yeah. We'll be sure. here for a while. Okay. So anyway, so back to chapter two. So the beginning of this movie, let me tell you, this movie just dives right the fuck in. Oh, I mean, mean, oh, they all, minus the first one, which it gave us, you know, a little bit as to who John Wick is necessarily, mm-hmm. not really even knowing who John Wick is to begin the movie. It's, you know, how we discussed in that one, it began with uh, John at the, um, you know, funeral for his wife, mm-hmm. who had just passed. And then, you know, we get the whole dog, and then we get everything that led up to, you know, uh, John getting his house broken into, cars stolen, beaten up, and then the dog got killed. Yeah, don't even get me started on the dog getting killed, Oh. And then I remember, get, and then then we dive right into the action from there, and it's been essentially from about a quarter of the way through chapter one mm-hmm. through the end of chapter four that we watched. It's been just nonstop action. Yeah, um, you know, usually uh, the one thing that I will always do when when a movie sometimes focuses on the action. If you watch a lot of films you immediately think of, oh, they're doing this to fill time because they don't have a good story, so they're doing this to fill time, to fill in the gaps they can't think of how to continue a story. But this is not the case with these films because the action is actually what physically drives these films to where they want to go. Well, it makes no disguise as to what it is. It knows exactly what it is. This is an action film. This is an action series an action franchise. Like if you are a fan of action films and fight scenes and explosions and, you know, bullets raining down everywhere, this is your proverbial wet dream. You ain't wrong. And and Keanu Reeves made a perfect point uh, this past week. He said the Oscars needs to start taking recognition of stunt teams because this movie hands down would have been the best stunts of the year. Probably the last best stunts of the last 10 years. And it goes even beyond that. Like, you take a look at the shit that happened like back in even the eighties and nineties with, uh, you know, Jackie Chan doing his own stunts and like drunk, uh, legend of the drunken fist or, you know, any of the even rush hour movies, mm-hmm. him doing his own, like you got to give recognition to the stunt team. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, this movie wouldn't be anywhere near the thing that it is. Without that stunt team, that stunt no. team makes this film what it is. And, and, and I the thing that, the thing about this series too that just boggles my mind is the fact that Keanu Reeves uh, really did a lot of his own stunts. Yeah, yeah, especially and, for his age too. It's 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 a miracle. And not still... and not only do his own stunts, but went through 
like the martial arts training to do those fight scenes that he did. Mm -hmm. He went to an actual like uh, training camp for soldiers and shit with SWAT training Mm -hmm. to go and accurately show like how they how people will reload a gun in a firefight situation like that how to check for bullets, the angles that you're shooting at constantly. It just boggles my mind. Well, what's great about this, too, is that, you know, he had some prior fight experience when he did the Matrix trilogy, of course, and and that definitely helped. But, you know, we all thought that his fight scenes in the Matrix were were awesome. After watching these films, the Matrix films look like being Matrix fights. The Matrix movie fights compared to what we've seen in the John Wick fights, oh my god, the world of difference. Yeah, yeah, and the thing of it is, Keanu was 20 years younger when he did the the first Matrix. So, you think, oh, 20 years younger, he can move faster, be more agile, would look better. No, no, tell that to Keanu. Mm-hmm. John Wick would kick Neo's ass. Take away Neo's, Neo's flying powers and shit, John Wick would kick his ass. Easily. Mm-hmm. Anyway, getting off topic here, as per usual already. Uh, okay. Chapter two. Start off with the right diving right into the thick of things. Well, I like the fact they give they give um the references to uh the dog and everything like that with his car. And you know, I I actually when I remember seeing this film, I had initially forgotten that at the end of John Wick one, he never did get his car back. So this was the perfect way to start this movie. And you know that really when it came to, like, during that interrogation scene and one after Mm -hmm. Vigo and his men uh, captured John and had him in that chapel, Mm -hmm. when they had that whole dialogue scene, when John said it was never really about the car, it was because of the dog. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was always about the dog. And what the dog represented. So this whole thing really was because of the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Yeah, the whole motivation for this... I mean, I guess you could say the motivation really is his wife because it was the wife giving him the dog. But yeah, in in, in, in the form of symbolism, yeah, it's the dog. Anyways, going on here. Um, getting more into the uh, Terrasoft syndicate here with um, uh, Vigo's... Was it brother? Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, Vigo, I'm trying to remember, Vigo, yes, yes it was, you're right. But yeah, I, let's, I, covers his car from, uh, Abram Tarasov, uh, dispatches his men, uh, that, you know, obviously really damaged the Mustang, but, uh, you know, obviously spared Tarasov under the promise of peace and returns home. Uh, and then, you know, John has his Mustang taken for repairs to Aurelius Chop Shop. But uh, let's discuss here, like right, like right in the middle of all that, the fear that Abram had of John that was, uh, you know, brought about in the first movie, like legit fear and awe of uh john wick you know again going over the discussion of him killing three men in a bar with a fucking pencil and that was actually brought up again in four too with the pencil which i thought was nice 
I love how in this movie too, we also did get a reference later on in the movie to it with him. You actually seeing him kill, I think it was three men at the uh, cafe with the fucking pencil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you see how he did it. I don't think there's anything the key uh, that John Wick cannot kill you with. I think he can kill you with probably the simplest of things, and a pencil's simple, but. I think anything, anything he can kill you with, he could find a way. Yeah. Anyways, uh, go ahead and take over. All right. So the big, the big plot point of this movie here is that uh, Santino Dan Antonio comes with him, comes to him with this marker. Which, if you don't know what the marker is supposed to symbolize for everybody out there, which it's I mean, basically if, a blood oath. Which brings up an interesting point because you really didn't see anything for that in. Uh, four, but in the first three films, they introduced a different, like, uh, different forms of like art, like markers or uh, currency that you only see in the underworld. Like the first movie, those gold coins. Yeah, yeah. The this gold movie coins was the, the, uh, uh, the continental. This movie, papers. yeah. John Wick Two was the. Uh, marker for the uh, you know the blood oath that you essentially you know someone presented you with that marker you're obligated to help them with the task that they're asking you about mm-hmm. then, then the third movie was hold on one second go ahead and continue Mike so yeah so Santa, uh, uh, Santo yeah. uh, wants to basically oh, have to bring it up uh, basically has a favor that he wants him to do. And John is resilient to it because um, he doesn't want to stay in the life. He wants to stay out of the table. He wants to stay away from it. Yeah, no, like he literally him, only came back in because of the everything that happened in the first movie with the, at the beginning of the first movie with his car being stolen and, right. you know, his dog being killed. Well, the thing he of it is, too, really is no other about, part of it. When you think about the big picture of all this, too, it's like when you look at the events through all the films, none of this had to happen. The high table didn't have to have John be a problem if they just will let him get out of this marker. But even if you go back to the marker, he fulfilled the marker, but Santonio, being the asshole that he is, wanted John killed anyway, even well, after because, he fulfilled his marker favor. Well, here's the thing about that, too. And I don't know if they actually discussed this in the movie at all, but, you know, it's pretty glaringly obvious, just like the glare above my head, because sorry about that, folks. I have blinds that are just not doing a good job of protecting the sun out of the room. My apologies. Anyway, back to what I was discussing. It was glaringly obvious, too, that he was tying up loose ends to this contract that he gave John to mm-hmm. uh, kill his sister. So that way Santino would have her seat at the high table. And right. He was doing that to tie up loose ends because of the fact, you know, he didn't want that brought back on him. Any retribution being brought down on him from this. See, what he should have done is, see, Santonio actually didn't properly plan for it because when he asked John to do it, he should have had a contingency plan as to how John could make it look like that she was killed by some random person instead of it being directly tied to him, and he didn't prepare for that. Well, I... Either way, it would not have mattered. It's he just ordered that to happen because he knew he was going to do that to whoever just because uh, he wanted to tie up that loose end and make sure that you know 
none of this was brought back to him. I mean, uh, it was just that like came him in the ass. And it's just like we're going a little bit further into the film here, obviously, real quick. But it was just like how when Santino was in the Continental uh, and talking to Winston in the lounge, how Winston told him, like, you you poke, you, uh, or you brought the devil, but you, how, I'm trying to remember exactly how he worded it here. It was some of the long lines of, you know, you push the devil and you expected him to not push back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you can't. I mean, let let the, the lesson of the first film be it. Obviously, obviously, Santino thought he could outsmart John. Well, he was wrong. Oh, easily, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and ended up backfiring. Uh, we had all the events of that. We had him going to um, Rome. It was to yeah. you know kill Santino's sister, which she you end up figuring out seeing that uh, she ended up. Uh, slicing her wrist that way she go on her own hands but you know John obviously shot her in the head to you know fulfill to know like be able to actually say that he fulfilled the contract mm-hmm. with Santino and the blood marker and then all that all those events happened but it, it was uh believe it was uh common is the um actor yeah he played, was uh, uh Gianna's bodyguard yeah, I'm trying to remember what the bodyguard's name was. Uh, his name was uh, Cassian. Yeah, Cassian, that's right. Uh, but yeah, John and Cassian having that big that big fight throughout the city that ended up landing them into um, the Rome Continental's uh, steps and uh, property. And, you know, you just see... I, it was the thing that I noticed in the last couple of films too, or th- yeah, these last couple of films that every time like you see something happen and it's on and they end up on the Continentals uh, grounds in any way, shape or form, mm-hmm. you, you just see them sort of stop, look at each other. And then next scene is them at the bar, just having a drink, like nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love that just because not being able to conduct business on the grounds of the Continental, which circles back to the end of the film, which we'll get to. But um, yeah, I just like the little moments. Um, I like the history that he has with Common. Deep down, I almost would have liked to have known what their history really was. Who, Cassian and John? Yeah, because it seems like it was a very confrontational history. Like this isn't the first time these two have butted heads on a contract. Per- I can see. I don't think it was so much the fact that it was them butting heads. I think it was the fact, you know, it's just like how all the major players in the assassin underworld of John Wick, you know, how they knew each other and they always had high respect for each other. Yeah, that's the one thing I like, too, is that, you know, these two have mutual respect for each other. And you can tell that they have the mutual respect for each other and everything, you know, even after the discussion of everything that happened, you know, with but John letting Cassian know about, you know, Santino uh, holding the marker over his head for the hit Mm -hmm. and to fulfill that. And Cassian's like, but, you know, I'll I'll make it quick at least as a sign of respect. Yeah. Although you know that it's an inevitable fight. Right. That's going to happen there. And it's as soon as you see him leave, like one of the things I noticed that John will actually like talk and discuss things with you and, you know, that professional like matter, but then it was right after that when he was getting ready to leave, and you see um Aries, 
sitting at the um, lounge as well in the other chair. Like, mm-hmm. if John doesn't know you or doesn't like, like, he's just going to keep it kind of curt and small talk. Ruby Rose has the strangest role in this because she never talks once. It's all done in sign language well, yeah, and subtitles. Uh, um, Ruby uh, Aries was deaf. She's a mute. And, uh, yeah, she was no, a mute. no, she wasn't deaf. She was a mute. Right. Yeah, I know. It's, it's saying if Ruby, it's funny that that Ruby Rose plays this character because if you look at her in a lot of other stuff, you know, she's always the one that talks a lot. So for this to be the opposite is actually quite hilarious. Yeah. But then we get into, uh, you know, Santino putting the hit, the seven million dollar hit on John's head. Uh, everything backfiring. Let you see them going through. Uh, I forget which like muse almost funhouse style museum like with the the glass mirrors and everything. Oh, that th- this was so wonderfully shot. This whole movie's wonderfully shot, but this scene here with all these mirrors. First of all, I gotta give credit because the way it's shot and that you never once, they never once were in a situation where there's you know uh, reflections of the camera. I mean, yes, you can go in post and you can eliminate that, but think of if 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 they did eliminate cameras in post in this scene. Imagine how long that would have taken. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. Like, people need to, like, I'm sure a lot of people have realized, but more people need to notice, too, on, like, the subtle things you can pick up on in these films, like, from the first one and this one specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, how in the first one, when uh, Vigo's um, henchman went into, broke into John's house to uh, kill him. Mm-hmm. How the how you I know there's one specific uh, part of that scene that I'm talking about, Mike, and it was the one where uh, they're in his kitchen, I believe it was, and the henchman and, and the one guy is gun is like aiming is shot his gun like where John was mm-hmm. instead of like where John would be, and from that shot alone, like where uh, the guy shot at. John was able to pick up on, you know, exactly where to aim at from there mm-hmm. and was able mm-hmm. to take him out. And just like how in this one, during that fun, during that like glass mirror, uh, fu- the long sequence we got, uh, the one guy shot at, you know, one of the glass mirrors with John's reflection. But from mm-hmm. that, like John was able to like, all right, he just, he knew kind of exactly where to aim at where it wasn't going to be a mirror. And was able to get him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. The, the the scene is so well laid, so well laid out on how it progresses, and um, it probably actually goes up as one of the top sequences in all four movies because something about it's just kind of unique, and there's never anything that's done similar to that in the other two movies. Oh yeah. So um, this one, this definitely stands out as a, as a as a oh, one of the best moments of the uh, of the series. No, oh, I agree. And then we get to, um, obviously, Santino was able to uh, flee and get to uh, Continental Grounds in uh, New York. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously, we had the whole sequence with him and um, Winston. But Winston pretty much telling him, fuck off. You don't run the Continental. No one runs the Continental except for him. Like, he's the manager of that location. Like, you'll be able to enjoy your privileges while you still can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to how, um, how 
he just sits down. Santino just sits down and has the steak when John comes down the steps, and he's just acting cocky, like, "Oh, here's nothing the, about me." Here's the thing about that: the, like the right before that part, and it was when you see John walking in, gun in hand, hobbling towards uh, Sharon's desk or the front desk, and Sharon looks at him, and he knows that John is here to kill Santino. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I right there on the grounds, and Sharon just kind of looks at me like right, he's waiting for you in the lounge. Like he knows what's going to happen. He knows that John's willing to break, you know, continental rules in order to, you know, solve this once and for all. Right, right, and, and John does it without any sort of hesitation. Well, here's the—I th- mean, that's the thing too. Like you get, like you expect in all, like all the other action movies and sequences that you'd expect in all other films, mm-hmm. where you know they'd have this dialogue between the two and everything. You see Santino kind of just mocking him, while uh, Winston's, you know, trying to convince, like, just walk away, don't do anything you're going to regret. And then at while Santino's in mid-sentence, John just without saying a word, gun up, shoots him right in the head. Which I can't blame him because he leaves him alive. He's going to come and try to kill him again. Yeah, so... And then you just see the look on Winston's face, like, what have you done? Like, he knows, like, he has no choice but to do what we're going to get into here in just a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I remember when I, when I saw this movie the first time and, seeing how this movie was ending and, and how it ends with the whole excommunicado thing. And, and I, it, this, this ending killed me because when it literally ends with John running away with everybody being, well, know, and it's not even just that, but it's the events at that uh, fountain that's at the park where John met Winston and they discussed everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Winston just kind of, looked at someone, gave him a quick nod. You see him, you see that guy uh, relay a message over the phone and everyone just stopped at their tracks, turned mm-hmm. around, looked at him. And it's almost like, is is this like an alternate universe where everyone's just a deadly assassin? And That's how I see, perceived it. And then you just see Winston do one of these and then everyone just proceeds back to going around like normal. Yeah, it makes you really wonder in this world, really, how many people really are a part of the high table. I mean, based on how we're giving insight to all this, it makes you really wonder, like, oh, that's how far does it expand out? Forgot. That's one thing we forgot about, Mike. The introduction mm-hmm. of um, one key character, uh, the Bowery King. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's funny about him because I'm wondering, like, How I don't even know how I even want to explain this. Um, the Bowery King, he's the one character I believe in these three movies where there is so much more about him that we have not found out, and and we really don't know that much about him four movies in. No, we don't. We don't. And and that's something that I don't know if it can be explored. Um, I mean, I guess it can't be explored really in the the uh, Continental series because that's supposed to be a young Winston. But then again, it is like the movie or the show supposed because I re- uh, looked a little bit more into this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the show is supposed to take place in the like early to mid seventies and showing like the beginnings of like the continental in New York and Winston's uh, journey to, you know, become this high member of the, the, their society and take over and become the manager. So what I think we're finally going to get through that series too. It's like, we finally got like a taste of it in the third movie. Like all the theories started coming up mm-hmm. and that's what is his exact relationship with John? Like at the end of the fourth movie, we cut it became pretty, it was pretty much like all but obvious like what the end outcome is what with that but like we're gonna get into that obviously when we get to the fourth film mm-hmm. but i think through the show we're gonna finally get um you know a full explanation as to what exactly winston is to john and vice versa mm-hmm. yeah there's, there's definitely a deeper connection there and uh whether the the, um, the Continental Series is going to really get into that or not, I'm hoping it does. Um, I almost feel like at this point with the Henson 4, it almost has to. Uh, but the thing that concerns me is that considering the Continental Series was written pretty well before Chapter 4 had come out, it makes me wonder if that was even like in the plan of things if by the time mm-hmm. the show was made. So... Maybe it will. Maybe they did rewrites. Maybe they did reshoots. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe there was a plan for it all along. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah, and I don't know whether it was in this film or the third one, but like finding out that John is actually a Soviet um, orphan too. Like he is actually not, you know, a, like American like we thought. Like he's actually a member of like uh, the mm-hmm. Soviet, um, country. Yeah. His family connection is, 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 it's kind of, uh, shown a little bit in chapter three, when you go, when he goes to see, uh, goes to the theater where the, all the ballerinas are, which will be the spinoff. Which, yeah, we'll get, we'll later. get into that here in just a second. Mm-hmm. And then we get some of that in chapter four with the, with the family that helps him set up the, uh, the, the final battle. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, again, there's a lot, even with his family that we still don't understand. Not at all. We understand at this point we get more details to obviously how John was able to pull off that uh, quote unquote impossible task in chapter one that Vigo mentioned in order for him to get out of the uh, family, be able mm-hmm. to, you know, live a normal life at that point. Right. We find out more about that. And we find out more and more throughout each film about the history of John, like his backs, the origin story of him about a lot of these characters. Yeah. We just never really get the, uh, the full story. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a lot to build off of there, but all in all, the ending of this movie was, was, was huge. I mean, at this point when this movie yeah, so, ends, but yeah, the movie ends with him running away from uh, running out of the park, considering that uh, Winston, said that he'd be able to give him an hour and no more before, you know, being the clip before the contract um, got doubled to 14 million, I believe it was. And, um, you know, declared excommunicado. Yeah. It was at this point we knew that uh, there had to be a John wick three. There was no question of, Oh yeah. No, what had to come 
this one, like how the first one ended, uh, could have been just a standalone movie, not been anything right. involving a franchise. After the second one, you knew right away that there was going to be another movie coming out. Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, we knew that it had to happen. Um, and it definitely set up something we knew was going to be that much bigger. And we were not disappointed with Chapter 3 with that. No, not at all. So, uh, okay. So before we get into Chapter 3, uh, overall uh, grade of Chapter 2? We'll get into the grading at the end of doing 4. After the end oh, you, of 4, you, I think. You want to wait. You want to wait. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So we'll go right into Chapter 3. Uh, right where it begins with... Uh, it literally right after everything. Mm-hmm. Thundering rainstorm with him running with his dog just to get into a cab and try to uh, heal. To, he uh, gets to the um, New York Library. Oh yeah, where he fights uh, the big. Uh, and then he can, you ogre. know he gets the um, Mark Medallion and a rosary, which is another one of the things that got introduced in this. You know, for uh, later on in the film. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they got an NBA basketball player to portray a hitman in this movie at the beginning of the film. Yeah, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, it was a little bit of a surprise, but I I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> well, the lines of dialogue it gets are funny. The whole the whole scene plays out is funny. The way his death scene is done is funny. Every part of this sequence is No, just... the way that his death scene was written was brutal. It was brutal, but it was still funny. Uh I'm sorry. I would not want to have my neck broken by re- been repeatedly slammed into uh, my jaw by a book. Like that has got to be one of the most brutal things I've seen in this film. That's what makes it so funny. Sure, <laughs> funny. We'll go with that. I like it. I like it. Uh, uh, ladies yeah, and gentlemen, we know who's the one who kills puppies around here, and his name is Mike. Yeah. No. No, that definitely is not me. Um, so, yeah, the basketball player that it was. Uh, uh, name Boban Marganovic. Correct. He's a Serbian basketball player, plays for the Houston Rockets. Uh, it goes on to say in the cliff notes here that the fight was actually inspired by the Bruce Lee film, uh, Game of Death. Yep. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a cool little scene to get in the first 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. It's actually but, our first then, action scene. And then, um, you know, right after that, he gets medical attention from the doctor. And it was like, as he was getting, you know, uh, stitched up and everything, the excommunicado order came in and, you know, the doctor had to just stopped everything. Because mm-hmm. he had, because like, John had to suture himself up at that point. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, I, I find it so intriguing how this whole system works with these coins and uh, how they're used for currency, for favors, or st- well, night stays at the Continental, whatever. But I think it is, it's a, rest- like, I don't think it's so much as it's for monetary purposes as it is, like, it, it shows your value in the underworld. Right. Right. It it it's just it's it's just a, a unique way of, of, of how they um how they go about purchasing whatever they may purchase. Yeah. Uh, but uh after this, you know, 
we get to John meeting with the director, who's the head of, which ends up becoming a big thing in this upcoming film. Spoiler! Uh, the Ruska Roma Syndicate. Um, yes. So, the rosary. He presents, yeah, he presents her with the rosary and demands safe passage to Casablanca, which we end up finding out that John was a former member, uh, high member of the Ruska Roma uh, Syndicate. So, you know, she reluctantly agreed to help him. See, there's so much I could go into if they did a, a John Wick prequel movie because there's I would love to see just how much John was involved uh, with the high table. Another thing I want to discuss after we get done with four. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, th- there's, a, there's a lot to build and work off of here. Um, so, okay, c- go ahead and continue. I had to bring that up. But yeah, I, so there's that. And then at the same time as this is going on, uh, you've got the high table adjudicator, which is a main thing, uh, uh, essentially villain in this film. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, coming in to the Continental and just not, and you know, not even giving Winston or the Bowery King a chance to, you know, just like, discuss what happened or anything says you've got seven you've got seven days to resign from your positions for helping john i'm actually bummed that we didn't get a chance to see the adjudicator fight because it looks to me like she could fight i you say i don't think so much as that uh the adjudicator was there to fight so much as it was that they were there to you know as a position of power like uh uh, someone who had the authority of the uh, high table and spoke for the high table. Mm-hmm. Just like how in the Ford movie we had the um, Harbinger, who yeah. was like the middleman for the high table. Just still a bummer because she looks like she could fight. Yeah. She has the look and she even has the badass look of like a hitman that could fight. And we don't get to see that, but that's okay. But she really is the, the film's true villain, I really do believe, because she is a lingering presence throughout the whole film between threatening people, having people killed, and the whole reason why the Continental uh, gets raided at the end. She she really is the film's true villain. Yeah. And then uh, after that, obviously, you get um, the adjudicator going to uh, who we end up finding out is Zero, who we think is just a you know, someone that's regular sushi chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just after the adjudicator presents uh, him with the marker, that it just drops the whole, uh, you know, foreign like, oh, thank you, thank you, axe. And, you know, it's like, and I think it was like, I wasn't expecting you to come so quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, starts the whole mission and obviously ends up agreeing to do everything here because, you know, his like rock hard obsession with, uh, John Wick being like well, his fucking roadie. His fucking roadie? Yeah, you know what I mean there. Fair like enough. Trying to, his Fair fucking enough. groupie like, like, oh my god, yes, I've, I've been such a big fan of yours, John. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, order, you know, orders, you. Uh, adjudicator orders zero to, you know, stab the director through both hands for helping John. Mm-hmm. Uh, asshole, asshole move. Which you can go ahead and take over from here. 
Okay, so in Casablanca, we get to see that John meets his former friend and manager of the Moroccan Continental in Sofia, played by the wonderful Halle Berry. Um, I I like her character just because I wanted to know more about her. I wanted to know yeah. more about why she why how how and why and how well she knew John. Um, and the fact that she gets these badass dogs to fight in these scenes, which, by the way. This definitely is a top three moment of the whole series. This scene with the dogs in this fight scene is so well done. They have these dogs so well trained. Um, and just between the way it's filmed, choreographed, this is a top three moment. Easy. Oh, yeah, easy. Um, then it was, let's see. Let's get into that real quick. Um, so we're getting into, obviously, uh, so talking about how, uh, what, John getting Sophia, presenting Sophia with the marker, uh, mm-hmm. which uh, binds her to return a debt to John. Uh, let's see here. Uh, demand, John, essentially say, demanding John or demanding Sophia to take John to see the elder, you know, the one who sits above the high table. Yeah. And uh, he does kill the elder, correct? No, I'm sorry. The elder is the one he meets in the des- in the desert. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. No, he does not. Um, yeah, and 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 the fact that we get this thing where he severs his ring finger. Why do I not remember this though? Because in John Wick Four, did you notice that hit that his his ring finger was cut in that movie? Because I didn't yeah. before. It, it was you saw it every time you saw that hand. I don't, I don't know why I didn't. I guess I kind kind of forgotten about it when I saw the movie to begin with. But now that I'm reminded about it, I'll have to pay attention to it more. But I had kind of forgotten that he had cut that off. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the know, elder, it, it, you know, it, uh, that whole discussion with the elder, um, with the elder saying that you know, uh, John's sins and everything can be forgiven. He has to kill Winston in order mm-hmm. to in order for, you know, the bounty on John's head and everything to be lifted and him to be left alone. Which John never had, never had any intention. And, you know, John offered up his ring and the finger as uh, his, to show, to show loyalty for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I firmly, I'm a firm believer though, that I don't think John ever had the intention of ever killing Winston. Um. I think he knew what his plan was going to have to be in that moment because I I just I just don't believe that there's never a moment really in in this movie or any other movie really where you ever feel like John needs to or wants to eliminate Winston. There's just too much of a of a bond there where it'd be like killing his father, which we'll talk about potential father. Um, but uh, yeah, this scene where he goes oh, back yeah, to New like York. That- that scene was the beginning of the theories and everything for a lot of people uh, as to, you know, what is Winston's connection to John? Yeah, we, you and I both have our theories on, on what that could potentially be. Uh, that's something we don't know if we're going to find out. But, um, but yeah, so back to New York. Um, like before John, can fight get, scene. before John can get to the safety of the Continental Grounds, because at this point, his um, he did have his excommunicado status essentially lifted. Uh, yeah, for this moment, for uh, to be able to um, 
being the services of the Continental's grounds. Mm-hmm. And yeah. before he was able to get there, he gets attacked by Zero and his students. Uh, which at that point, then again, it's just like the, his and Cassian's fight uh, ends up going get uh, spilling onto Continental grounds. Winston, I forget who it was, those Winston or Sharon or who it was, but someone cut out and you just the look of you know what no business on Continental grounds, and that's when you get the discussion between John and Zero again at the bar having a drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, with John, with the Zero, like I'm your biggest fan. It's actually quite hilarious. It it really is, and because Zero's that one character where even though he's a bad guy, you can't help but like the guy because you just kind of respect his style. Yeah. But uh, so then obviously the adjudicator um arrives to see what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winston refuses to give up his position. John refuses to kill him, and then. Uh, the adjudicator then said, you know, with the uh, high tables uh, word, like the New York Continental, is, you know, is no longer consecrated. It's essentially a neutral zone at that point, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of what Winston, Sharon, and John have all been waiting for is just that way, you know, be able to see the goodies that they got in their armory. <laughs> and they have plenty. And actually seeing Sharon like actually participating in this firefight. Yeah, that was pretty badass. And then obviously we get uh everything there, you know, the whole big fight scene. Uh we've got uh John and Zero's fight that happens. That good good fight scene there. Uh, John, obviously, getting the better of Zero, uh, stabbing him, leaving him to die. And then we get to one of the bigger scenes in the franchise. On top of the rooftop of the Continental, uh, Winston, Sharon, and the Adjudicator all meeting on top, uh, having a parlay, and saying, you know, we're, uh, the Adjudicator saying, you know, we'll come with the full force of the high table, and Winston's like, we've got New York. We're bigger than the high table. <laughs> yeah. And leading yeah. all to a parlay as John walks up onto the rooftop as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Winston uh, uh, being able to get the uh, Continental reconsecrated and his position as the uh, manager of the hotel back mm-hmm. for, you know, killing John. And then you see. Winston shooting at John. Did she thinking like, why? Like, what's going on? Like, is Winston really behind everything this entire time with this? I mean, it made you question it. It really did. And then, like, you go back and watch the scenes over and over again, and you realize obviously that Winston knows that John has the, uh, like, the Kevlar suit on. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, if you, know, you look obviously off- not aiming for his head too. I mean, if you look to, I mean, John pretty much has that Kevlar vest on throughout almost every moment throughout the series, really, for the exception of part of the first one and, of course, the last uh, sequences in, in four. Yeah. Now we get but, the ending sequences of the movie with uh, uh, Winston and Sharon tr- uh, getting the 
continental back in uh, order, ready to go. Uh-huh. And with uh, John being brought to the Bowery Kings um, uh, little throne area room, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, King, you know, like, how pissed are you? Are you pissed, John? And you just see him looking up after, you know, yeah. doing one of these just yeah, right at him, and it's just like, yeah. You, you know what's funny about this too? Because I remember when I went to go see the movie the first time. This was before th- there was rumors that this third one could have been the last one. And I'm thinking throughout as I'm watching this, I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for the series to end here. How's it going to end? And then when the movie ends here, I'm like, oh, so there's going to be a four because they really didn't establish there was going to be a four when this movie came out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the movie ended where I was like, oh, okay, so I guess there's going to be a four. And but it was really I, surprising for this movie to end this way. And here's the thing, too, that really just was absolutely insane to think about. Until, like, when the adjudicator had discussed with John, or mm-hmm. not with John, but with Winston and uh, – or not not even Winston and Sharon. No, when he uh, she met up with Zero, you know, the amount of bodies that John accumulated in that week. So the events of the between the first movie up to that point were all in just one week. That's hard to imagine. Just hundreds of dead yeah. bodies within a week. Morg's not going to have enough room for all of them. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, this movie ends with a surprising cliffhanger, just like number two. So we knew four was coming. Um, and, uh, and to be honest, I'm we pass had it to, wait. to you for just a minute here, Mike. I got to run out real quick. Go ahead. And, uh, you know, we we didn't know we didn't know four was coming, obviously, like I said. But the question kind of remained here. Where where was the series going to go? Because we established it, it all had to come down to the high table as the big hole of how it was all going to go down. But um, we ended up waiting a very, very, very long time, actually, for. Uh, for chapter four because the third one came out in 2019 middle of 2019 and we didn't get uh chapter four you know until march of this year so we nearly had to wait four years to get this and i remember when after three came out you know they were talking about oh yeah they're gonna do they're potentially gonna do a four but never really was officially confirmed they were gonna do four until they actually confirmed it but of course, you know, COVID played a huge part in that, um, as usual. Um, movie was announced that it was going to happen. They hired different people. Movie actually started filming, according to Wikipedia, June to October of 2021. So it still took a year and a half after filming for the film to actually be uh, be released. So it's interesting that that happened. Um, so I guess I should what I should say is, going into four... I had some really high hopes as to what this series could do because the initial rumor was they were going to do four and five and shoot them back to back. So it's like we were going to get two more movies. But when COVID happened, five kind of dropped off the face and we were just going to get four for now um, with the potential of a fifth movie. But as Jason and I kind of get into um, get into what uh, the fourth movie actually ends up being, he and I got conflict on this. Um, I just I feel as though one of my lingering problems with four is um 
it I don't even know what I really want to say to this because I felt as though the one thing this film had to do was to give us the final showdown with the high table. All right, sorry about that. I'm back. What were we getting into now? I just started talking about uh, about chapter four and what going into it, what I thought the film had to do, <clears throat> um, and that when the film was announced initially before COVID, it was announced that this movie was going to be part four and part five shot back to back. Then COVID happened. They said we're going to put five on the back burner. We're going to do four for now, with the potential of doing five later. Well, no. If you've watched any of the, because this is one of the things I wanted to discuss. Um, if you watched any of the interviews that were done within the last week or so mm. um it wasn't because of covid it was because they were looking at it like we can put our all into doing four and give it you know a proper ending which the studio by the way was not that happy about okay fuck the studio well the studio is now going to play influence on it now because. Uh, go ahead to see if you can get Keanu to come back. You're uh, gonna. Keanu, uh, we're gonna discuss this after we get done going over the film. Keanu Keanu did say that uh, he's willing to do five. He's not out on it. Uh, good luck though for now. It, it, well, it's not going to happen now. I mean, we might be talking three or four years before it actually happens because you know you have the Continental and the Ballerina movie first. Any but... any. Any film at this point that happens really can only be considered prequels at this point with how that ended. There, there's, there's room, there's room to do a sequel. There's a lot of stuff that they can still divulge into, and his death is not the way it's portrayed in the movie. It's, it's not. Uh, he concrete. is look the entire, the entire scenario, the entire premise of the fourth film was. A discussion of you know, we let good let being our good lives long ago. Like the only way John knew the only way that this that he was gonna finally get true peace and calm away and live a normal life was when he was dead. And he and the whole premise of like one big discussion point throughout the entire film was you know all of John's actions from this series and everything obviously in his past had gotten hit the people that you know he trusted and cared about killed and that's he true. did not want that anymore that's true but there's two there's two almost problems here with this though number one the first problem is is that they make it their mission especially in three that basically they want to take down the high table for good which doesn't happen at the end of this movie but that that kind of gets pushed back because there's my biggest problem is if you with all four movies, by the way he dies at the end of this film, it almost makes his fight almost feel redundant because everything he survives, everything he does in all four movies with the goal of getting free from the table, just so when he finally gets free from the table, he dies anyway. The, the amount of injury, everything just finally got to him. Like, Simple as that. I understand. I understand what happens to the character. I'm talking about in the grand scheme of the story being planned. It makes sense as to why his character would die because any living person would never or really survive a lot of the shit that he survives. But I mean, just the whole layout of the story 
just does it just feels almost redundant doesn't feel redundant to me it feels like exactly the way it should have planned out like the only way i think this like everything was going to come to a conclusive end for john was with his death at this point you're going to take away from that moment in the film and the series as a whole by doing a fifth film you're going to ruin any sort of magic that that last that this last film created and everything feeling like it all came full circle by doing another film at this point. The only way it doesn't come full circle, though, is because the high table still exists. It's they still exist. OK, basically, thing, basically though, what he does is in like it was discussed in the movie. Uh, it, OK, you took out all the members of the high table. Cool. They're always going to be more another one to take its place. They're like a Hydra. They're like. The Hydra in Greek mythology, like you're going to run out of bullets before you can take out all the heads. Well, that's probably true. But at the same time, wouldn't it wouldn't it almost be a good idea that if they took out the heads and whether it be John or the Bowery King or whoever... and essentially at this point, the only thing you can do at this point, Mike, is if you're going to continue it, 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 it you can call it, you know, a John Wick franchise, a John Wick franchise film. But they can't have John Wick in the movie unless it's going to be, you know, like flashbacks or something involving in whatever scenario that they're doing at this point. Because it could be that they're going to continue the scenario with, you know, someone like the Bowery King or Winston working on taking out the high table in John's place. Now, That's the uh, only way I can see that happening. Now, from, from from a studio perspective, and this is this is just the way Hollywood works. From a studio perspective, they are going to look at that and they're going to say these films are not going to do the kind of business it's doing now without Numero Uno. All right, cool, great, grand. Without doing Numero Uno, yeah, awesome. You get the star power, and you know what you're going to do? You're going to ruin the credibility of your entire franchise by doing that with how you end films. Why do you think you've got films that had these magical endings that were done 10, 20 years ago or so in the past? You see new sequels to them or anything coming out that just completely rewrite the entire history at that point. And it ruins the majesticness of the those films, of those franchises. Prime How many times have the- you seen that? Prime examples of that, though, is that's what happens when you have different people handling those franchises, when you don't have the actual creators of that franchise actually doing something to continue it properly. Star Wars being a prime example of it. Um, and that's why Keanu perfectly stated that he would not at... do five. He will not do five without the director. He will not do that because they have to talk about it together to make sure that if they do it, they have a proper plan. And Keanu also said that he would do it if they had something that actually made sense and felt like a proper way to do five. Yeah, here's the problem though. What are what are they what is the studio going to do? What is the studio going to create as a premise that is going to be good enough to make sense? with how that last one ended, that's going to be able to get Keanu and the director to come back. Well, the studio won't come up with the story. Keanu and the director will come up with the story, and then they'll go to the studio and they'll tell them this is what we came up with. If they, uh, come up, if they, if they go back the, to the studio and they say we have nothing, then it won't happen. 
Exactly. I don't think we're going to get another film that has Maybe. John Wick as the leading person. I mean, we'll see. There, there's, there's a lot of good explanations as to what happened at the end, and they all make a lot of sense, which uh, is why the of, ending was done the way it was. Speaking of the ending, like I was saying, like you see the mark on Winston's arm mm-hmm. there, showing mm-hmm. that he was a member of the Ruska Roma uh, syndicate. Mm-hmm. And him saying, you know, goodbye, my son. Right. So a, one of two things has to be confirmed either in the Continental Series or at some point in the future. And it, at this point, it only comes down to one of two scenarios, similar scenarios, but two mm-hmm. scenarios. Either Winston was is actually John's biological dad. Which would make sense. Or... B and this one I think is the more likely scenario. Winston was the father of Helen and John married into Winston's family. That's possible too. I I but both both work. The the with him being Helen's father, the only thing that really gets me about that is that you know like did John would would John have John obviously would not have known that Winston would have been Helen's father. He obviously wouldn't have known that. Because he no. never would treat no. him as such. So obviously he would not know that. But you see in the way that Winston treats John compared to everyone else, mm-hmm. like especially mm-hmm. if you go back to the first film, in, the first film in particular as a prime example, when Perkins gets called from, before she get, uh, is able to kill Marcus. Mm-hmm. And she gets called, or, or no, before she gets John, my bad, um, where she ends up meeting Winston at that uh, one spot. And, you know, he just walks up, casually tells her, you know, your privileges have been revoked and she gets killed right on the spot. You know, him, John, uh, Winston treating John differently in the sense that, you know, gave him one out, gave him an hour uh, head start essentially to get out as fast as he could mm-hmm. before being before the contract uh, goes out comes out and you know he gets declared excommunicado. Mm-hmm. Like he, Winston always treated John just like a little bit differently. Like he was a member of his own family, and that this move, the end of this movie, all but proved that to me. Mm-hmm. Like I oh, just yeah. want the official confirmation. Well, that's something that I always wondered throughout each movie too. Is that why? Why did Winston show so much attention to John? Why did he basically give him special treatment compared to everybody else? There had to have been an underlying reason more than just oh, you know, they're really good friends. There has to be a deeper connection and a deeper meaning as to why. So, really, you're right. It has to be Which one of those. I two think. Things. I think that Winston, with John, finding you know, finding out throughout the films and just lore, background lore. That, you know, John was born in uh, the Soviet Union and he's an orphan. What if, uh, like, John hit a certain age or, you know, Winston even told the director um, or whoever was the former head of the Rooster Roma at that point, you know, bring John in, raise him as one of your own. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... And, you know, that leading to Marcus obviously training John to be, you know, who John Wick is today. Mm-hmm. And every, every, all the events unfolded from there. Like, that is, 
that is just a confirmation that I want to see happen. Give us a, it's a yes or a no that Winston is related in some way, shape, or form to John. I just want the confirmation so that way to clear it out of my head. Well, that, and that's what I'm wondering too, like with the Continental, because it, it makes me wonder that if he's Helen's father, um, that maybe in the Continental we're going to see that whoever he's with gets pregnant and then they, the baby comes out and names her Helen. That's one way it could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, with the whole John thing, kind of a similar way of doing things. Even if it's like a reference to like, he says a line in the, in the show where he says, yeah, if I ever had a son, I'd probably name him John. You know, anything to kind of just give us that clarification. Of, of one of the two. And, and, and again, the continental may give us that it may, it may have been a grand plan. Maybe they consulted with who was going to do four and they found yeah. out, Hey, what are you going to do? What do you want to do? So maybe like, we obviously we're going big into the ending here, but that's really the main point of like what we wanted to get to it for was the ending. So that's why we're going into yeah. that before we did anything else, guys. Uh, that was the biggest discussion point and why we specifically were like, don't, listen if you don't want to be spoiled yeah. for four because the one ongoing discussion online right now is the ending everybody is seeing the ending differently everybody has different theories different things and it's and it's, it's cool that that the ending was put that way because it, it creates a good you know topic of discussion and, and there's, a, the there's a lot like of different that, ways it can go. Like, i think that kane or don let's hey first of all getting donnie yen to uh play kane was a fucking brilliant move on their part you he's get, always been great you get the actor who does the Ip Man movies to play a major role in this film. Mm-hmm. And essentially is almost like the counterpart to what John Wick is for us. Like almost the exact same path line, but you know, someone who just legitimately just followed all of the loyalties to the high table. The one guy I want to talk about too is I want to talk about uh, Hiroki Sonata because you know, oh, he, you mean the guy who played Scorpion in uh, Mortal, Mortal Kombat? Kombat? He is fantastic in everything he's in. I've oh, seen him God, in yeah. Last Samurai, Rush Hour 3, uh, Wolverine, uh, 47 Ronin. This guy, he's in so much stuff. And anytime he's in something and he appears on screen, I'm like, dude, this guy needs to be in everything. He oh, is just that guy that he just he steals every movie he is in. I wholeheartedly agree. And there's another character like we were just like we were talking about, uh, like the fucking fat guy that John had to kill in order to um, reclaim his spot in the Ruskaroma family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the fact mm-hmm. that that was Scott Adkins. No, are you serious? Yup. Wow, I, I got to look at a picture of this because I had to stop and think about that uh, that night. And I and I had a come to Jesus moment when I realized that. Oh my God! You know the guy oh. that the guy that worked with um, the director and uh, Keanu for the first yeah. couple of films before you know he start he went and did his own thing at that point. Right. And getting him to come back in four, wearing you know him being as big of a martial wow. artist and a stuntman as he is. Getting him to wear a fat suit and the gold teeth and everything, he does not yeah. look like Scott Adkins. Wow, wow, yeah, wow. That they did a great job because I mean, honestly, I I couldn't tell it was a fat suit. It looked like that was the actual dude just with gold teeth in him. 
Uh, it's just like how it's just like any movie you see with uh, fat suit on. Like you don't really can't tell if they do the mm -hmm. um, makeup and the filling properly. You can't mm -hmm. tell that's a fat suit for a lot of you, people. Yeah, I mean, I honestly thought that the way the guy looked, that was just what the actor looked like. Mm -hmm. You know, I I would not have thought that was Scott Atkins. That wow, quite the transformation. But all right, so this I think was probably the biggest time skip in the series that we got up to this point was mm -hmm. um, between three and four because the events of John Wick one to the end of John Wick three was what, maybe a week and a half at most about that. You got to figure it's probably had to have been at least a few weeks difference in between the ending of three to four, because you don't see John off banged up and everything and bloodied up like he was right which which was a smart decision get, like you see uh him striking the um board mm -hmm. uh to you know obviously make sure get himself back into shape and everything so you figure it had to have been at least a few weeks for all of his injuries to heal not to mention the bowery king for, uh was looked like he was healed up from you know getting slashed in the face seven times yeah, I I noticed that too. It it almost looked as though like I don't know. I felt like there might, maybe should have been a lingering scar there that wasn't there. There uh, there probably was that we just didn't notice, but but it was the fact like enough time had to have passed for them to healed up enough to where you know they're not just hobbling around like fucking cripples. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's true. That's true. And and I. What's really cool here is I, I love John's interaction with the Bowery King. I like those scenes. Um, I I just think that in this movie, the Bowery King gets a little shortchanged. Well, he didn't really. I, I think like how they're originally going to do it. Cause I think what they're like, how you were, how we were talking about uh, when we were going through the last film was mm -hmm. how, you know, they're originally planning to shoot four and five back to back. Right. And that way, cause I think, fourth one was going to set up like how it did probably. And the fifth one was going to be obviously them taking down the high table. And I think the end result was still going to always be the same. John dies. Could have been. I, I, oh, I think that's the only way you can end the series is with John Wick dying. Yeah. I, I think I've only ever seen really one other path, but that would be a controversial story choice um, that I kind of had in mind. Uh, I mean, they could go down that route, but, how people might perceive that if that happened might be, might, well, might be well, a controversial topic. Talk about it. Well, there were there was two ways, and it had to do with Helen. There, there could be two ways it could go. Number one, if they really felt compelled to make the high table this almighty villain, they 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 could have easily gone down the path of of her. Um, the high table somehow faked her death, and she was alive, and John found out, and that made his goal to take down the high table even more motivational. Uh, they could go down that route. Now, the more controversial of that, that would be something that could happen. The controversial part would be finding out that she faked her death and she actually was a villain. That would have been very controversial, and that would yes, tarnish so her. And the you problem don't want I that have either. with that goes back to the events of the very first film. Mm -hmm. Like you see her on the hospital bed, like obviously terminally ill, cancer, right? And you see. John standing at you know the gravesite of his wife. That, that's true, but so as, as I, you know, that, wait, there's that ways theory, to fake deaths. 
Yeah, but how are you going to fake that, especially when John would have known? Uh, so, so considering his line of work, he would have known if someone that, was faking their death. And that's a possibility. It, it's a route they could have they could have gone down. It's a route they still could go down if they did Chapter 5. That's one logical way they could do it. Would they? I don't know. Um, that's why I said that one is the more believable of the two. The other one would be very controversial because I yeah, think making like I her said, evil. I, think, I legit think the only way that this series ends ended is with John's death. Yeah. Like, I, John's I, it, story ended when he died. The only other plot I see for part five, if you take away Helen out of the equation, it would be as simple as this. It would be John fakes his death because you no, know, the high table will never really truly let him go. He decides to, you know, use like when he gets Kane and the Bowery King and form his own group to take down the high table once and for all to either take control of the high table or destroy it once and for all. That's really the only way I think story wise, if you eliminate Helen from the equation, that you could truly do it. And uh, this goes back to, I think how I think this was a perfect way to end the franchise to me, at least in terms of, the story of John Wick as the uh, main uh, person was how this ended, especially because that duel that they had um, at the church at, at sunrise with the dueling pistols. I think that Kane or John and Kane had probably discussed it as they were walking up the stairs, mm-hmm. and Winston knew about it too. That the only way to really secure like everything like that uh, they had all bet on for this duel with Winston uh, becoming the manager again of the Continental after it gets rebuilt in New mm-hmm. York, Kane getting Kane and his daughter getting their freedoms, and you know John being free of the high table and able to pursue you know a normal life was exactly how it ended and that was with at uh, when they got as close as they did in the third uh, round of the duel with the uh, pistols right. is to let Kane take that fatal shot at John because where that where he got shot at was is a major area to get shot like you get hit there that's mm-hmm. a real high chance of dying yeah and yeah. there, that was a reason why John didn't shoot back, because it was to draw the marquee in to mm-hmm. take the coup de gras, so that way John could go ahead and take him out. Tell me, tell me and, if you, tell me if you, if you believe, if you, if you think this or not. Do you think that if, say, John doesn't go about it the way he does with the uh, with the whole dueling thing and challenging, um, challenging the leader guy to the duel, um. Do you think there was any way that John still could have gotten to him anyway? Do you think there was any way that John could have gotten to him still without the duel? Yeah. Are you talking about the duel in general or a duel with different weapons or a different setting or how you... Well, you mean I mean, it, 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 it's almost as though it, it got to a point where the only way they thought they could get to the marquee uh, guy, Bill Skarsgård's character, is if is if he challenged him to this duel. I don't think it was so much a matter of that the only way to get to him would be the for the duel. I mm-hmm. think that was more so uh, the only way to really end this once and for all, whether it mm-hmm. be, you know, for Winston and John to both be dead or, right. you know, 
the high table to get off their fucking backs once and for all was right. going to be for this duel. I think mm-hmm. that was the only way it was going to happen because it's just like how they discussed in the movie. Like, all, like the recurring topics that you got in this movie were, you know, essentially uh, repentance from, you know, past sins, mm-hmm. um, a gr- mythology and a, a big mythos uh, aspect with, you know, Winston referring to the high table as the Hydra and, you know, not having enough bullets before the heads keep getting replaced. Mm-hmm. So even if they were able to get to him, they just replace the head. They just replace another head. They just, they, they'd replace that head with another one before, you know, the body hit the ground. And it was just like how we found out at the beginning of the movie um, when John went to Morocco, I think it was, to and saw the new elder there, which I right. wasn't expecting to see a new elder out of all of a sudden. No. Um, but for John to kill that one and finding out, you know, that the elder could just easily be replaced. Right. Like everything was under the high table's orders. Like they, anybody could be easily replaced at the high table. Anybody could easily be replaced at, you know, whatever position they were in. So mm-hmm. I think this is the only true way like you could secure your uh, once and for all, like getting, out getting a way out for once and for all, like I said, and it was through the duel. Do you, uh, I, I guess the one thing too, is, you know, I really wish we could have found out who was the ultimate leader of the high team. Oh, who, I already know. You know, we already who? know who Klaus. Klaus. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah, no. I I mean, I really wish we could have found that out, though. I I really would like to know who the who the big king dick is. I you see, here's the thing about that. I don't really think there is any big king dick. I think it's just like how you had the knights of the round table and everything. Yeah, well, you had king king first. Yeah, but it's they all had equal power at the high table. Like mm-hmm. they were the high table. They were essentially like. They were the highest positions in regards to, you know, the underworld that they lived in mm-hmm. in that society. Uh, yeah. I think they all held equal right, equal votes and everything. Oh, we're looking at you, America. We could use some of that, too, here. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but that's besides the point. Sorry for yeah. getting political there, folks. Um, but, no, I think that's what it was. I don't think there was any one true person that was ruling over the high table. Mm-hmm. I think it was all just a collection of all of them. And at any point, all right, cool. We're stepping up and taking over. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've yeah. got to find some way to, in their old laws and their old uh, ways that just like they did with the duel, mm-hmm. how they can go ahead and just like take out the high table once and for all. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's gotta be some way to do it, but we don't know about it really no i mean like you know scarsgard's character he's a powerful member of the high table you have the harbinger who was the high ranking operative of the high table so these are guys that are pretty high up there now mind you maybe scarsgard's character is one of the highest members of the high table maybe he's one of eight one of ten he's he's obviously one of them because he was very powerful and had a lot of influence yeah to what would happen so um i i guess you could almost look at scarsgard as being 
one of many. Mm-hmm. And I guess he could be our he could be our definitive one for the New York region. So therefore, he kind of would be the king anyway. But, I guess I, in the sense, the way that they described it in the film, it's essentially he was given emergency power by the high table to, as, to be to be the marquee and have this power mm-hmm. uh, because of you know the event of of the beginning of the film, and that was John killing the elder. The elder, yeah. Which, like you said, though, was a different elder, which makes me wonder two things. A, was this a different elder replacing yeah, the other elder, or, or was they, it a recast? They already said there was a different uh, different elder. So what happened to the other elder? Probably died or something. Died or was uh, replaced. That's, I guess, yeah, I guess that'd be the only way it would work. But, uh, but I, the events of that, but the events of that, led to a lot of this film happening and that was mm-hmm. you know the continent the new york continental being destroyed Bummer. and led to uh osaka's uh continental manager getting killed by kane and not to mention oh look we have to take a look at sharon the events of that eventually led really led to sharon being killed by Mar- the marquis Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question about it. Because he wasn't going to let Winston be a martyr and, you know, everyone rise up. He was going to make Winston feel powerless. Mm Mm-hmm. Which which he did. He was powerless throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It was was a pretty big shock when when Sharon got killed. That was a pretty pretty big shock. The thing about that, too, especially after we're going to make this, by the way, this is... uh, this one is ded- this po- episode is dedicated to Lance Reddick, who did yeah, pass away on the seventeenth, I believe it was. Yeah, right before the film was released. Yeah, that was a shock. I, I mean, did they say what his cause of death was? I don't know if they did or not. Uh, I haven't really mm-hmm. been tempted to even look into it because you know it's uh, out of respect. Like I'm yeah. not going to lo- bother trying to dig into that. But but it, what made that so shocking in the film? was the fact that it happened so early in the film, not to mention like this close, you find out what happened there, like this close after uh, Lance Reddick uh, dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I was surprised to see his character die. I was like, wow, this is, this is a little fresh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was really fresh to see his character lying there dead. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's awkward. Yeah. Um, he is, by the way, um, he is going to be in ballerina as well. He yeah, he's got uh because the events of uh the events of ballerina happen between three and four. Three and four, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, which also too, you know, the potential to continue the franchise may lie within who is leading ballerina. Maybe it's a possibility because I know I know I know Wick John is supposed to appear uh, in ballerina as well. Which you um, see him in trailer clips for the movie. Uh, so based on the description. So Anna Diarmas is playing Rooney, which is the lead character. She's a ballerina who seeks revenge by hunting the murderers of her family. The character was previously portrayed by a different actress in John Wick Chapter 3. So you did see her character. It's just she was played by somebody else in 3. Mm-hmm. But um, So maybe maybe we'll see. If, see if there's potential to continue on maybe a franchise with her character or not. Maybe, maybe they have their continuation right there and we just don't see it yet. It's possible, but like I said, I think with John dying in this film... I think that we got a finite ending that 
Wick was just the cherry on top to the masterpiece that was John Wick leading the franchise. I think the That's only way you can continue the franchise from here is to do either prequels or events in between the movies. I don't think Absolutely. you can really do a film that takes place after it without ruining everything about the films. And, you know, again, it's maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's one of those things where the franchise could very easily end here. It could continue. There's a lot of ways this could go. Um, you know, and we'll soon find out. I mean, we, we, we know now the movie's going to be a financial success, so now we know the studio wants to do another one. Now the question's just going to be if, you know, these two decide to, if they come up with something good enough to do it. We don't know. There, there's there's options. There's options on the table. It's not out of the realm of possibilities, but um, we'll see what's going to win out yeah as time goes on so um all right uh, all right now let's get to the fun part the grading of all of them okay so john wick two, one john wick one um probably would have to give are we gonna do out of 10 or are we gonna do by letter grade letter grade john wick one i will give a a b minus um, just because, you know, start of the franchise, the, it, the, the movie, the first one was finding its footing, you know, it, it doesn't move at the quickest pace like the other three do. Um, it has to build the story up of course, but, um, yeah, the, the, the villain in number one is just okay compared to what we get later. Um, so yeah, I'll give that one about a, about a B minus, um, chapter two, two chapter two, um, Chapter 2 ultimately is my favorite of the franchise, so I would give that one a solid A. Um, I just I like the villain. I like the action sequences. I just like the overall story. Um, and I also like getting getting to um, see John realize that no matter what he does, um, he can't break free from his old life. And I think this, this is really the ultimate start of it with the marker and things from his past really catching up to him. Um, so I like two, two a lot. Uh, number three, um, again, that gets about an A minus. It's, it's really a step behind, um, number two, number two, uh, the story in three is also very good. Um, comes to a pretty full blown, great conclusion. Uh, and then four, see, it's hard for me to fairly grade four too, considering that I've seen the other three numerous times and i've only seen this one one time so of course you know it's it's ranking could change as as i see it more um as of right now it probably would be around to well, i'll give it a b to b plus somewhere in between there um and you know we'll see if that if that changes from this point on but yeah but two is also my my uh my favorite of the four okay so for me, the first one is also the weakest one on my list as well, just because, like you say, it was treated out like it should have really been a standalone film before they the franchise got as popular as it did out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, like there was a lot of good action sequences, a lot of good uh, pacing in the film. It was just get up and go from the beginning. They really didn't get off the gas pedal. I did like that. The villain, like you said, was a bit on the weaker side when it comes to villain roles in the, these kind of films. I do, I can agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But overall, I'm not going to give it a B minus. Like, I'm still going to give this a B plus. Okay. Uh, two, this is where me and you differ. This was second on my list. Uh, every, I love everything you did say about uh, the felt was essentially everything that I did like about this one. I just think that four did two better. Okay. So I'm going to give two an A. I mean, it, it, it's still an A in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Parabellum, I had at an A minus. I thought it was better than three. Or Jesus Christ, it is three. I thought it was better than the first one, but not on the level that two was. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I'm going to say this is a hot topic here as a hot take. I wasn't as big of a fan of the adjudicator as people, as other people were. Yeah, she could have been given uh, a little bit, maybe made more to do. She she was undercut a little bit, and I think that I think by the fact by not letting her be somewhat of a fighter, I think kind of hurt her character. I, I, I guess so, but and then obviously, but that was still an A minus to me. Mm-hmm. And then the A four was just like the pinnacle of it, it. It is probably one of my favorite action films of all time. Wow, but that, I'm gonna have to get that one like about as close to an A plus as I can. Mm-hmm. I think I think the one thing too I want to note and too one is of that... the things that I want to discuss here too is that a lot of people's complaints about the movie were the length. I'm sorry, but no. Do we not okay. want to go back to the days where you know? movies drew you in for that long you don't even realize how long that the film's been going on that's exactly it okay yeah. cool yeah it may be long but you know what I, just because they you nowadays people have short attention spans and can't focus on a movie long enough to do that these mm-hmm. are the same people that say that they love movies like the hobbit or lord of the rings or you know, any of the Harry Potter movies or fucking Star Wars movies that have gone on for two and a half, three, up to like four hours plus. Look at the Snyderverse yeah. cut. These people, uh, the Snyderverse uh, cut of Justice League, those same people that are, clam- that are, you know, talking about the length of this being a little too long are mm-hmm. those same people that are going, oh my God, the Snyderverse cut was so good. It was so worth the four and a half hours of sitting there. Fuck off, people. You can't have your cake and eat it, too, if you're going to yeah. act like that. Yeah. Take the films to what they are. Like, if the movie was not up to par and about with, you know, what you're expecting for the film, if or if it, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't up to par with what, you know, what the expectations were set when the trailers came out, the hype around and everything, I can understand the, you know... Uh, all right, this is getting a little long. This movie hit it on every note, I thought, and went above and beyond it. The only the only thing I would say is, um, if I had to judge the series on which which of the four had the best pacing, not based on length, the best pacing, it, it goes back to I, I I think I think two had had the perfect pacing, um, because I two 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 didn't have much in the way of full downtime. Um, it, it kind of jumped from scene to scene quickly. It didn't dwell on anything too long. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and, and then p- pacing is different from length. It's not one and the same discussion or argument. Pacing just means just how it, yeah, just how it felt in, in the speed of it. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it, it length to me is never an issue. I've always said I don't care how long a movie is, as long as the length is as long as the movie can grip you and keep you uh, enamored and uh, focused on the film for the for the length of the film then it's worth it. Right. Right. I, like I've always said too, I'd rather have too much than not have enough. Exactly. Because sometimes you have movies that are so short and you leave, you leave scratching your head like, wow, you know, that could use a half hour more to explain this or go deeper into this or, or do this instead of, you know what? The movie was really long, but you know what? I left out with every question I had answered and I have no lingering questions. Yeah. I'd rather have that. Yeah. So, Anyway, so what we've got coming up, as we've just already discussed multiple times throughout this podcast so far today, um, has been what's next for the John Wick franchise. So we've got uh, Ballerina coming out um, that's supposed to be taking a place in between the events of 3 and 4. We've yep. got the Continental TV series that's going to be coming out here as well. It's going to be taking place uh, time frame about the mid seventies. On um, that, we've got new casting, obviously, because it's going to portray a younger Winston, uh, potentially a younger um, John Wick. We've got a younger Sharon in there. Yep, yep. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody else is too, but uh, Mel Gibson is actually playing the second lead in the Continental. Hmm. Um. So. This is going to be an interesting series. I, I'm, I'm excited for it. It's supposed to premiere sometime late this year. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, especially after after this movie. I know people are going to be chomping at the bit now for more material from this. So um, we're going to see. And then Ballerina is expected to come out sometime next year. Yep. All right. But with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for another episode of, uh, after another long hiatus of um lca entertainment uh we're glad to be back hopefully we can go ahead and get started on our predator retrospective next coming up here yeah uh we we do know uh we were told that jeremy larson will be taking a a brief break i don't know how long it's going to be yet could be a month could be two i don't know yet um so i know whenever he comes back that'll probably when we do predator um up to that point, um, we're going to have to discuss what exactly we're going to do up until his return, uh, whether we find another series to do a retrospective on or do theme-related episodes. I don't know yet. We'll have to discuss it also with our other colleague, Martin, and see what we all come up with. Uh, Martin has discussed, I don't know what, what the audience thinks of this, Martin has discussed about potentially doing some episodes on gaming, some game reviews of new games that come out, and maybe some discussions about big games. Um so that could also be a possibility, too. I'm not really sure what big games are coming down the pike that are going to be uh, worth the discussion. I mean, obviously, we're all going to have to have had to play that, that game in order to discuss it. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how that's going to go. We'll have to further discuss that. But as far as what we're going to do next, um, just stay tuned to the social media channels, and we'll keep you informed as to what's coming. But I promise that we will not go two, three, four months without an episode again. We, we, we were going to try to get back into this and keep it consistent. Exactly. All right, so with that, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for again for joining us for another episode of LCA Entertainment Reviews.
that's a wrap. Cut and print. Thank you for listening and watching this episode of our podcast. This has been a presentation of LCA Entertainment.